Hello, everyone, and welcome to another chat with the, the boys from the Highland Bullpen podcast. We've been on our travels recently uh, with the excitement of the Rugby League World Cup taking place in England. And we, between ourselves, we managed a wee weekend away with four games in four days. Saw three of the home nations there, well, Scotland, Ireland and Wales from the British Isles uh, and some of the Southern Hemisphere teams as well. So we were served up a great treat of rugby league football. Uh, obviously, within our group, we have uh, more of an expert on the game than perhaps the, the chaps who live north of the border and myself and Dave Senior were in attendance at all those four games. So we kicked it off as well in Dave's hometown of Leeds. So Dave, do you maybe want to just give a, a quick overview of what what we did, where we got to, and then we'll just have a wee chat about the different games and what we picked up and what we learned. Yeah, with pleasure. Um it was actually a sort of a long time in the in the making, wasn't it? I mean the, yeah, the, host, yeah. the host team, the host nation and the details came out as early as um 2019 and uh, the the name of the it's the rl wc 2021 tournament isn't it they kept that uh name like the league world. yeah it was supposed to be last year wasn't it? and we um yeah we decided to go as one of our sporting trips um you know as long ago and we bought the tickets when they came out in september uh 2020 and then, of course, it was it was called off, you know, for for pretty good reasons. Um, and um, they, they decided to to keep it going, and we decided to to hold on to our tickets and not get the uh, um, the refund like we had to do with what was it, MLB London twenty yeah. twenty. Yeah. Um, so we kept them going, and they they did the good thing. I think I think. Um, Initially, when we got the tickets, it was going to be around about November, and we picked four games over a weekend with a variety of teams involved and venues, so we could do a bit <laughs> ground hopping. And they kept they kept the schedule pretty much as it was, but I think they brought it forward a bit so that it wouldn't clash with the Football World Cup. I think yeah. I presume that's what happened because you know um, our games were over the weekend. Um, Friday, twenty eighth of October, wasn't it? Um, to yeah, yeah, yeah to That's four right. games in in four days. So yeah, there was going to be four of us, and um, you, you know the two <laughs> elder statesmen who were <laughs> luckily retired from work. You know, our sort of uh, well, certainly my diary is relatively free, but you know, Dave and Richard um, was you know I've got other things, work, yeah. families. Um, Dave managed to come down for two years. We'll go into detail about this, but Richard, unfortunately, couldn't make it. But, um, yeah, we've got plans for ne for next year. So, yeah, we picked, well, I think we picked four good venues, four good games. Um, first one at Headingley, my spiritual home. And um, the next one, we were in the northeast, Newcastle, um, Middlesbrough, and... <laughs> Welcome to sunny Doncaster. Uh, yeah, we finished. one of those words might be correct. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's uh, yeah. Where how, do you want to start? 
How was your Headingley experience, Dave? You're obviously a season ticket holder for the Rhinos there. So we yeah. saw the, the All Blacks. They call them the All Blacks in rugby league as well, I think. Yeah, well, uh, as far as far as I know, I think it's yeah, the, we, we had the, the Black. Haka, yeah. The Haka before the game, which was excellent and a, a spirited Irish performance against them. But yeah, it was, we, we stood at two different ends of the ground. Um, and so he, Headingley, did it feel, feel different to watching the Rhinos? Well, I thought it was a really good atmosphere. You know, there was 14,000 there. It's a stadium that will hold, it's, it's under 20,000 these days that they have back in the old days before, when it was all terracing, I think they've had 40,000 in there. But yeah, it was a, it was a good atmosphere. And, um, you know, there's a big Irish community in, in, in Leeds. It was, it was all over UK, really. But uh, it was well supported, wasn't it? And yeah. Um, you know, in the 13, there was two very prominent Leeds Rhinos players in the, yep. the fullback, Richie Myler, who's a terrific player, and uh, James Bentley, Bentos, who is, you know, a character in the game, and a fantastic player. So, yeah, bound to get behind the underdog, but there was some, uh, you know, some bona fide Irish fans there and uh, the Leeds fans were definitely behind them. In fact, they went, did they not go in the lead? I don't know. I think they, I think they did score early on in the game. Yeah, got a penalty, didn't they? And, uh, you know, in, in truth, I think they played pretty well against a really strong team. Yeah. And uh, eventually, I think they did run out reasonably comfortable um, winners, New Zealand. But, yeah, I don't know, you know, it was quite a spirited performance, scored two tries, you know, which were the two biggest roars of the, the day, I yeah. think, from, from the South Stand, which is where we were, the South Stand Terracing. I, I did think about upgrading to one of the hospitality suites, but I thought I wanted you to have the South Stand experience. It's it's the new South Stand, but it's still, it's still got the same punters in it. So, <laughs> you know, um, and... And we were very fortunate to have Jeff with us, who's very well quoted at the club, and he got us into the new um, hospitality suite in the in the stand. You know that overlooks both the famous rugby ground and the equally, if not more so, famous Headingley Test cricket ground, the Howard Suite. And I think you were introduced to uh, the Rhinos chief uh, executive uh, Gary Headington. So. Yeah, it was it was good. We saw a bit of everything, uh, and I'm really pleased because I grew up within earshot of that ground, and I was a season ticket holder in junior 1968-69. Um, you know, I keep most stuff back. I never find that. I have got one from my and my brothers from 1972-73. So, and uh, you know, I've still got a season ticket now. So. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I was really pleased that you could make it and uh, yeah. hopefully we can do something again uh, along those lines. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. And Jeff, Jeff was very kind in getting us in there. And it is a fantastic facility. There can't be many sports grounds around the world with hospitality that overlooks two fields of play. Uh, so well done for the Leeds and, uh, and Yorkshire and, and thinking of that as well. I thought it was... Uh, Excellent. We'd, we'd a wee halftime switch in the south stand as well to the busier. <laughs> Would that be the north side of the south stand? We'd have 
went up to or the, I don't I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was a sort of traditional point. thing you would you would do back in the old days when uh, the two ends would have been uh, you know uncovered the south stand um you know was where the popular support went but you know back in the day before the Premier League uh, um, Leeds would have been one of the strongest teams so um you would get fans who would change ends at uh, at half time to follow you know the lead score in the tries at the other end that's yeah. not quite the same now um uh, but it, it did yeah we 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 kind of did that um just to just to get a different atmosphere so i suppose the south stand yeah um the home end which is now where the lewis jones suite is uh, would be um would be the east side so yeah we started off i think at the away end which would be the west side of the south stand i think <laughs> and then yeah. we moved up to i i often like standing in the sort of low down in the corner and you, you see a lot of action down there when a left winger diving in for a try some yeah which i think we did almost straight away didn't we, we, did, we did in the first half get yeah. all of that and well one of the advantages for me in moving was uh, and this will be obvious to rugby league fans. I don't. They might even happen rugby union. But the the linesman or the assistant referee patrols the whole length of the pitch. And as a, a mere football fan, that was obviously quite a surprise. I think the explanation we we came up with from football is that all the lines. Well, not all the linesman is doing more than this, but primarily he's watching out for offside in football. Yeah, and in, in rugby league. They have a range. I was going to say he there, but it was it was probably encouraging to see. I think we'd a, a female yeah, person definitely. in pretty much every game we saw. But yeah. their responsibility is obviously then to cover the full length of the pitch. And it was interesting to see that. And as, as, when we touch on the game we went to at the riverside, you then realize these guys have to be fairly athletic because yeah. that game involved a lot of running from one end to, to That's the other. Right. Yeah, we've got to do the hundred yeah. yard sprint from under the poster after a conversion back to uh, yeah the far end. Yeah, because you wait, you're there for the con- you're there for the conversion because the two linesmen effectively are calling the conversion converted or not. Yeah, but then the kickoff goes then back down into the the far end of the other half, so they have to be down there for offsides and. What that's right. Else? <laughs> that's and some they, workout. <laughs> yeah, and quite often they, they want to take a quick kickoff as well, don't they? They're through the team that's just conceded. So, uh, yeah, they need to be pretty fit. Lots, lots of running. And um, we, we're almost talking of running there as well. We almost had our own little, little exercise because we, we nearly got involved in the Otley run. <laughs> yes, the famous Otley run, which, um, you know, has been going for decades and decades and uh, when you know when we were kids it would have been quite you know, reasonably not exactly sedate affair but you know I don't think it was even once a week back then it would have uh, just been at key moments in the um you know in the calendar the student calendar and I think it was usually sort of medical students or students from Carnegie College and they would take a drink from uh, a lot into the Centre of Leeds in every pub on the way, and um, in sort of fancy dress or whatever. 
and now it's mayhem <laughs> just <laughs> every day pretty much you know and it's it's quite amusing but uh, and there's more pubs now you know uh, yeah. there's a bar on every other <laughs> every other step now <laughs> every yeah. the fish and chips the yeah the fish and chips we had well were good although um um, the, we thought we were served mushy peas, and then when we we chopped into it, it was just uh, it was cold avocado. <laughs> like, yes, that's one of my highlights of the week, weekend when uh, we, we just you know assumed <laughs> it was mushy peas, and we must have both taken a while to have our first taste. And he just didn't. He says, "Are these mushy peas meant to be cold?" <laughs> we tasted them and thought. Yeah. Yeah, something different about oh I know it's avocado dip. <laughs> yeah, things have so, changed. <laughs> before we move on to Newcastle, we probably need to recognise as well the the strange arithmetic of one of the bars we were in as well, where there was two Jaeger bombs for nine pound or, or four for ten pound. It was uh, so yeah, it was a bizarre bizarre pricing structure. That's yeah. uh, yeah. you know. I mean, not that we need any encouragement to drink more, but um, yes, I mean, the, the, the bar person asked me that, you know, and I just looked at him and I don't think, well, what do you think? <laughs> so it's just, just, they just poured four. Did we, did we think about that? Oh, I can't remember. Did we give two away? Surely we, I gave two I away. Think, I think we might have, yeah. It was, um, yeah. yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, we survived. We, we survived anyway. Just about. Um, so yeah, and then we, well, then we probably had the advantage of then heading up to. We stayed overnight at Headingley and headed up to Newcastle in the morning, where we met young Dave, who came down in Scotland. We're playing Fiji, and I think we would normally expect Fiji to be quite confident to um, beat beat us there. Um, uh, but it was again Scotland did themselves proud as well. It scored, scored a few tries, including one one cracking try where there's an interception and the mm. um, Lachlan, I think it was, ran nearly the whole length of the the, the pitch. Uh, yeah, it was good, uh, the right winger, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't have remembered his name, but yeah. And we we did, and had a good crowd of six or seven thousand as well. A lot of Scots in attendance and yeah, uh, Fiji again. And this was a common theme in the four games with the. The southern with the Pacific nations and other they won't call it the Haka, but there's was pre-match prayers or yeah, it was a song, wasn't it? A prayer. Yeah. It was very moving. They yeah. did it after the game, didn't they? As well, yes. the circle, which was astonishing. You know, really, really fantastic. Uh, yeah. They that possibly that you know think that game that afternoon was the best of the lot, really. You know, and uh, Scotland were good. And yeah. you know, you know I, don't, I say that in a sort of surprise tone, but actually, you know, in previous tournaments, um, I didn't really know too many of the players, so I wasn't really sure what, um, you know, what what they were going to be like. And uh, I seen a, a quote from uh, one of the former players, Andrew Henderson, on BBC Two, and uh, he's, uh, you know, he was a decent player himself, had a good career, and. Um, He's, um, he's in the coaching business now. He was he's actually just joined the local team uh, up the road, York City Knights. So yeah, that's interesting. But he he said he said he's been uh, disappointed by Scotland this World Cup, but that performance today fills me with more confidence and pride 
They were never going to win this game, but we saw that brave heart spirit in abundance. They competed for 80 minutes. I think he's got it spot on there. Yeah. Um, and it was heartwarming, wasn't it? And afterwards, we were, we were there for about half an hour, an hour after yeah. the game, weren't we? And all the players from both teams came around, um, walked around and, uh, you know, met met with the fans, young and old. And Dave yeah. loved it, didn't he? He got loads of selfies and yeah. uh, with the players. And that was, it was, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. No, Dave. Dave's good. I think he one of the one of the players even took a selfie with a. He took the camera and took the selfie. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, can't quite see that happening. Well, there's a range of reasons why we might not see that happening with Scotland in the football World Cup. Um, but uh, it was it was good. And then yeah, the, the Fiji lads were were coming out and speaking to everyone. But all the, these island nations as well. They all had um, local support or home support from their coming to the games as well which yeah. is great yeah great to see that as well and King- kingston park newcastle i think the uh there's both a rugby league and a rugby union team play there there is yeah yeah go on sorry yeah no, i can't one thing i can't quite work out when they're taking their conversions they're booting the ball out to the park <laughs> obviously the way you, you, you hit it high and over the park so at one end it was going out which was that sort of vaguely intrigues me that um, you'd have to build a fairly big stand for that not to happen, but they must employ a young lad on the outside just to to catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, you would think so, wouldn't you? 15 minutes um, or whatever it happens. So, um, yeah, it's not like uh, baseball where you can, you know, you, you can keep the ball if yeah. you get it in the crowd. Yeah, what what would a what would a rugby league ball collection look like in your house compared to a baseball collection? Well, you need a bit more room. I do have one, courtesy of our friend Jeff, Jeff Man, who um, you know, you know, until uh, recently, quite often would um, he's, he's an electrician who train his his own company, and he sponsored the match ball, and uh, he would have a table at most of the home games, and part of the thing was at the end you would get presented with the match ball signed by the players. Um, And one game he invited me along and I was the recipient of the match ball. I mean, the the guy is, you know, amazing. So we'll have to do that again with him sometime. And, you know, the season will come around pretty quickly, February. As as a man after my own heart, Dave, I'm pretty sure that's safely stored away somewhere in the in the house as well that's that, that's yeah, what yeah. keeps right of place the back bedroom <laughs> yeah yeah no it was brilliant it was um it was good so no we, we enjoyed the fact that we did good good game with scotland uh, we ended up in the the strawberry pub which is a newcastle united football fans pub in the city center with a few beers in there um we watched leeds in fact beat Yes, Liverpool wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, So I'm not sure if the strawberry has had so many people celebrating a Leeds win in there before, but they got it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, there's it's. um, I don't think there's any real sort of. uh, Never really been any animosity between Leeds and Newcastle. Probably one of the few teams that we don't have an ongoing feud with. And uh, although I was keeping quiet and I wasn't expecting you know, anything good to come out of the game, but they played really well and yeah. the last-minute goal went in. I couldn't 
stay incognito any longer. And uh, yes, <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> well, with, uh, with, yeah, terrific. With, with Newcastle's money that's been poured into the club just now, and I think they've finished for the winter break in third place, then sadly Liverpool are more their competition these days than their Leeds, so it would have been a result that potentially might help them as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and then, so we'd had a couple of proper rugby grounds. We've mentioned the football there. And then the next day we headed down to Middlesbrough. So another train journey from Newcastle to Middlesbrough to the, the Riverside Stadium, a fairly new stadium for Middlesbrough Football Club. I don't imagine they play rugby there. I don't think Middlesbrough really is a, a stronghold of any sense for for rugby or rugby league, um, no, it's it's in the you know the old boundaries of Yorkshire. Um, although I think it is it is the is it Cleveland that they're officially in. Uh, yeah. But you know Yorkshire County Cricket Club used to play the occasional game in Middlesbrough. But yeah, I don't think there's much rugby league goes on there. But it was a good stadium, wasn't it? I was quite quite impressed with it actually. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then we met up with a couple of my, my friends who introduced us to the local delicacy of Harmo. That's right. I'll let you do that one because I declined. I wasn't really particularly hungry. I was something lighter, but you, you can describe it. It looks very good, but uh, effectively, substantial. <laughs> effectively deep, deep fried chicken covered in cheese and uh, I, I think the parmo I think the parmo is a reference to the type of cheese then as well um, covered in there but yeah it was um, I, you do like travelling to these culinary hot spots of <laughs> Cleveland, Middlesbrough and finding out what the local delicacy is and yeah for Dave and myself it was too much not to go for that and, and to give that a go um, so that was good. So nice city. We did we walk then from the city centre over to the ground, and again another decent crowd for the Tongo Islands. Tonga against the Cook Islands, a very high scoring game. Um, yeah. Ninety-two to ten for Tonga, uh, and in the, I think they must have scored similar points in both halves. I'm not sure if the Cook Islands scored in the, the first half. I can't quite remember, but. Dave and myself were having a chat at half time saying what's what's the betting on the final score over or under a 90 point win uh, so in, in fairness the Cook Islands probably did a little bit better in the in the second half then as well but at, at stages it just felt like Tonga were so strong and it's a very physical game um, one yeah. of the things I was going to say earlier when we were chatting was you, you mentioned about Ireland potentially running out of steam I think in such a physical game, you give it your all, you know you're going to lose, and then you're up against guys who are so much stronger than you. It must be very difficult to keep absorbing challenges and tackles and, and not letting over the line. And Tonga just seemed to score at will in this game. Yeah, I was just, you know, I didn't realise it was going to be so one-sided, and you don't really like to see that. But um, I was thankful he didn't break the 100-point barrier and uh, you know you've got to admire <laughs> teams who are getting beaten like that and that, I'm pretty sure the Cook Islands had the last word didn't they and they scored I think they yeah. did they not score the last try of the game they did score, yeah. 
So, you know, to keep going like that is testament to the spirit in the team, I think. And, uh, yeah, good on them. Tonga is a, a great rugby nation and uh, the very uh, lucky to to be in, I think it was Auckland in 2017 when England played Tonga in an amazing semi-final. Yeah. And... Um, the the stadium was full and it was completely full of Tonga fans. You've never I've never experienced uh yeah well maybe in Papua New Guinea, but it was one of the most amazing atmospheres we've ever been in. And uh England were 20 points to nil up, I think with seven minutes to go, and Tonga came back to 2018 and in fact had a, a try disallowed, which would have put them in the final. So they've had their near misses as well so um, yeah. but uh, yeah they were they were pretty pretty strong strong teams yeah they're, they're a good support I mean you're not mm. going to get tens of thousands of people from Tonga turning up in, in, in Middlesbrough but <laughs> it's a long way <laughs> they're a good vociferous support which is good to see a bit of colour there and, and this this one was with it being two nations from that part of the world we had two different Haka type performances before the game as well, which is absolutely fantastic, and that's just part yeah. of part of the joy of watching these games and seeing an international tournament like that as well, where people are representing their countries so well. Yeah, two hackers for the price of one. I mean, England and Scotland really need to get out together and come up with something. Don't they? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Scotland they've got some pretty nifty moves that they could make. I'm not sure about England, but probably. And that's some some sort of hooligan chant and come and have a go if you think you're hard enough sort yeah. of uh, effect with the football, not the rugby, obviously. But we we could do some Kaylee dancing or such like. That's well. exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do remember as a kid um, when you go into Headingley to see some of the tourist teams and seeing at first hand the first time. Uh, New Zealand hacker, and it was, it's quite a, <laughs> quite a thing, isn't it? It really yeah. is to see in, in the flesh what it must be like to actually face that down. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure about this. You know, the team these days tends to line up on the halfway line and to take the challenge, which is fair enough. But yeah. You know, the hacker guys come right up to yeah. him. They're almost touching, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, I think there's a... If you go back... I mean, if you if you think of the, the original basis for it, the intention is that they're going to um, scare you a bit there as well, aren't you? So you've got to... Suppose, <laughs> yeah. Like the old boxing stuff as well it's pretty clear from the actions what their intentions are <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we, we also moved and moved one end to the other here as well which was sort of needed when you've got somebody scoring 90 odd points all the action is at one end so um we we did well we actually had hoped so mark and ian were at the other end of the ground um, yeah so we said yeah we we worked out that we could walk the whole way along and obviously there's there's rooms in the stadium to go and do it so so they gave us their seat number and we got there but what we then discovered was that they were in row 21 
and the lower tier went up to row 20. So we, we could actually see the, the two of them uh, just above us. Uh, but again, we got we got a good view and we went, uh, they, they took us for a drink to one of the local bars, uh, the liquor vaults or something after the game as well. Yes, it was, yeah. yeah. Good, good lads, wasn't it? Well, Ian is your pal from your village, isn't he? Yes, and, yeah. Um, Mark, he's not... Middlesbrough borough born and bred, but he was very proud of his yeah. local family. He took us around quite a few uh, interesting spots. Yeah, yeah. good lads. Yeah, he's obviously been there, been there a while, and yeah, introduced yeah. Us to the Parmo as well. So um, it shows you the value of then going and doing something like that with with locals who are going to give you that insight. And um, yeah, it was really good. You know, it was. Uh, yeah, it's, it's almost like a taking, net, network of friends all over. Can it's like taking keep, you keep us out of the pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good wee bit of culture there for for Middlesbrough as well. So, um, so no, we enjoyed that. Went back to Newcastle for the night, um, and and then the last leg of our journey was down to Doncaster uh, for the overnight Papua New Guinea against Wales. I think. PNG had practically qualified by this time yeah. as well. This was in Doncaster. I don't, not quite sure that our customer experience was as good here as perhaps the the, the other games. We we were going to get the bus. We couldn't. We firstly we couldn't really find much of a crowd in the in the town trying to have a drink beforehand. So not yeah, quite it was sure. odd, wasn't it? You know, you couldn't really. But I mean, it, it was a couple of positives. Let's let's go. It was that the nicest cafe you're ever like yes. to visit. Yeah. It was uh, back in time cafe quite near yeah. the station. And we went in there for a we'd had a because we'd had a breakfast, something the Geordie breakfast in, in <laughs> a cafe in the yeah. Granger Market in Newcastle, which is you know a full proper fry up. Yeah. You know, really still good. not had to have food since then. <laughs> it was good value, seven pound fifty, including a cup of tea or coffee, and um, yeah, so that set us up for the day. We didn't fancy a pint straight away, did we? So I we went for, a, and I, I think it was like um, it, it seemed to me as though it was run by the Slovakian. It was quite a lot of uh, yeah. Um, there was a little sort of library attached to it. And I was having a look at some of the books. Yeah. It was really. Really good experience, but yeah, we couldn't find any fans, could we? No. Into one pub, and there was nobody really there. And then went to the spoons, and there was a guy wearing a Wales shirt. So we thought, oh well, this is it. But um, you know, it it was very odd, and it didn't. It wasn't a great experience, was it? Because. Time was knocking on, and we were going to get a taxi up. The, the ground is quite a bit out of town, and this guy says, "I oh, will get the bus." So we walked up to the the bus station, waited for the bus. The bus arrived on time, and then proceeded to say that they were not going to operate. They were not going to run up to the ground because there was too much traffic. Believe it or not. I mean, basically, what they were really saying is, look, we can't be asked. Yeah. And so then what were we going to do? Get a taxi. Even the taxi drivers were reluctant to take us. One of the, yeah. we, had a, we had this uh, gentleman in tow with us, the Wells fan, and two other um, women who were going to go to the game. So I said, well, let's get a taxi up together. 
One guy wouldn't said he wouldn't take five. Another guy wasn't going to take us either until we insisted and we just piled in. And we got there, it was, you know, and actually there was quite a big crowd there, wasn't there? I think yeah, we all just was, got... we, we thought there'd be nobody there. Yeah. So it was going to be deserted. I think they must have all driven there, you know, and then just driven back because uh, coming back was a nightmare, wasn't it? There's no buses on there. Anyway, we don't want to finish on a on a down. Was it? No. I, I was, you know, because of my, you know, I love Wales, obviously, and I've got connections to Wales, but Papua New Guinea, having been there in 2017 to watch them play Ireland on in Port Moresby, you know, I've got a you know, I was supporting them and I had my shirt on, didn't I? I had yeah, my yeah. jazzy Papua New Guinea shirt. And at half time, uh, these lads who'd come over from Papua New Guinea they're saying, hey, look at his shirt. And in fact, that was the second uh, compliment I had for my attire that weekend, which is yeah, not always go. the case. Our waitress in, uh, in uh, Middlesbrough likes the uh, Tonga yes. shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah you got to reach out with the guys from PNG as well, and they, yeah, they did okay in the World Cup as well. Yes, yeah, so I, I think that just um, you know, it's their national sport that that and head hunting, which is quite similar, really. You <laughs> fashioned that rugby league and, and head hunting, um, but yeah, it's their, their national sport, it's really important to them, and um, you like to see them doing well. Um, and uh, yeah, but there's some strong teams in it, and as we've seen, um, Samoa, Australia, obviously, and New Zealand and England just missing out yet again. Yeah. yeah so how how do you feel about that? A one point defeat to Samoa in the semi final. Yeah, I mean, they, they obviously they met in the first game of the tournament, and uh, a lot of you know, experts were saying, well, watch out for Samoa because, you know, they've got six or seven guys who play prominently in the, the NRL in Australia. In fact, are qualified to play for Australia, but they've specifically chosen to play for their, you know, their, their home yeah. country, Samoa, and, uh, you know, good for them for doing it. But um, England beat them 60 points or something, but, you know, it's quite clear. And rugby league is a game like this. If you're not ready, you're not 100% ready physically, tactically. That can happen. The best teams can get can get beaten quite heavily. And, uh, you know, they had, between that and the semi-final, you know, they had some other games and uh, great tough games, and they were ready. And it was, really was a good game. England had their chances. Um, but it went, you know, it was a draw at 26-26. And then they go to this golden point extra time so it's net basically net score wins it so uh you know usually it is a drop goal where they'll get it's only yeah. worth one point in rugby league because they want to discourage uh players from doing it they want to encourage open play and going for tries yeah. but when it comes to the extra time golden point then you know that's, that's Quite often, just what you just what you need, and uh, I think they charged down the first one, didn't they? England they had a couple of chances, and then they they uh, they got into an attacking position and threw it back to this guy who was forty yards out, left footed over, and that was it. Tough, tough for England, but yeah. uh, good good for 
Samoa, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're obviously recording this um, before the final. Uh, we'll probably be issuing it around about the time of the final, so uh, you'll have to trust us, listeners, but have you got a prediction? Or is it well, fairly obvious what's going to happen? Both the semi-finals were classic games of rugby league that really showed rugby league at its best. In fact, the Australia-New Zealand game, you know, the pundits on, on TV, Wilkie and Peacock were saying it's probably one of the best games we've ever seen. And, uh, you know, there's only a couple of points in it. And New Zealand had their chances, but, uh, you know, and Samoa looked good, but the Aussies, uh, you know, they will do it for 18 minutes and they are on a slow burn. They're getting better and better and better. They're quite a, a young team, so uh, they haven't played a lot of international <coughs> rugby since the last World Cup. So I think it's a fascinating game. I'd like to see Samoa do it, but, you know, you've got to admire Australia. They, what has it been, 15 tournaments since 1954? They've won 11 of them, you know, and great. Uh, great. England has never won it. Great Britain has won it three times. In fact, uh, they won it in the last one in 50 years ago. In, was it 19? No, it's 1970. Because actually I was there. Right. <laughs> the final was at Headingley. The Battle of Lee's um, bruising encounter, which uh, Great Britain won. So really, you know... Uh, in recent history, I think New Zealand won it in 2008. But apart from that, since for the last 50 years, it's really been Australia's trophy. Yeah. Um, so I think they will do it on Saturday. I think it'll be close. I think tomorrow will give it a good go. But um, yeah, I think it'll be the Aussies again. We'll have to wait until yeah, it's going to be. We'll have to get, we'll have to go to France next time. 25 or 2026 or 2025. It'll be, I think it's 25. Um, but so uh, we've got time for that one. <laughs> we've got time to to plan that. <laughs> they, they might not have the same ease of geography, although I guess their train system may be a wee bit better than ours as as well to get around a few games in a in a long weekend. But yeah, I'm, I'm well. I'm even more encouraged knowing that the last triumph from our country involves Scotland. And, and yeah, like, I'm not quite yeah. sure how many of our players were playing, but we don't really need to investigate that. It's probably not worth. No, yeah, I should have checked, but you know, my memory from there was a was a Scott in um, was it Callens Callens who played for Leeds in, uh, in the seventies. There was um, the fullback Redfern. There you He's, go. You know, I mean, this is fifty years ago. I'm thinking of now, but there were some prominent Scots playing and. You know, 2008, 2013, Scotland did quite well. Uh, Danny Bruff was the captain of Huddersfield Town half-back. So that's some good players. I think they just didn't quite have, um, you know, they had the spirit. They just yeah. need uh, a few more players playing at the top level to uh, to give them a boost. Yeah. Good. Danny's point to finish on. I've certainly enjoyed <laughs> It's only a couple of weekends ago, but reminiscing over that weekend as well. Great, great sport. Good to catch up, spend some time together, uh, see a wee bit of the country, tick off a few more stadiums. <laughs> uh, so we hope 
you guys have enjoyed having a wee listen to our alternative sports podcast on the Rugby League World Cup. And we'll no doubt catch up with you soon again, folks.